Hi, my name is Sean Shaler, and I'm here today with two people, Chris Ford, a.k.a. the Objective Geek of YouTube and Twitter fame. And we also have a very special episode today. We, I know fame's probably a strong word. Whatever, you're more famous than I am. Uh, and, hey, to prove, to prove how famous we are, uh, we have actually brought on a special guest today. Her name is Jamie, and she's going to join us for this episode because, A, she is a self-proclaimed Zuko expert and big Zuko fan, and it's the perfect yeah. episode for that. We're talking about Zuko alone. Too much love, and too much love for Zuko here. Too much love, in my opinion, probably, but we'll get to that later. And okay. Second of all, she's going to join us specifically because she is one of our tens and tens of fans out there on the internet, and we're really appreciative of her support. <laughs> And very grateful. So first of all, Chris and Jamie, how you guys doing? Let's have an introduction. Yeah. Well, I'm thank you guys <laughs> yeah. so much for like having me on the show. Um, yeah, definitely self-proclaimed Zuko fanatic. So this is a really great episode, and I'm here for it. So thank you so much. We're just flattered that anyone would care enough to want to join us. <laughs> Genuinely flattered. Chris, how are you doing? Yeah, I, I am. I'm, I'm doing great. Um, nice to meet you, Jamie. This uh, I am Chris Ford. Man, I never say my last. You always say my last name, though. I'm Chris Ford. That's you know, not I'm sorry to give away your personal Maybe. information on on our popular yeah, podcast. That is, like, that's kind of dangerous. I go by the Objective Geek. I do not know any other name. Sorry, I'll edit those uh, out of the past I, episodes. I swear. Yeah. Next year, please do that. Um, but I'm really happy to have Jamie here. So someone else that can. Uh, be some sense into Sean about the greatness of Zuko. I knew um, that's what we, this is an intervention. Actually, it's a Zuko yeah. intervention. Yeah, like it or else. Uh, you know, Chris. What's funny is I recall one episode where I said, "It's funny." I said your wife's name because I was talking about how your wife and one of my other best friends share the exact same name, and I said her name. Yes. And for some reason, I felt bad enough that I edited her name out because it's like she don't want to be mentioned in our podcast. I leave here doesn't care. All I don't care. She doesn't anybody. watch. She doesn't listen to this. I don't care if anybody steals Chris's information, but it's like I'm not going to drag his wife into this. That's mean. <laughs> so, <laughs> anyway, yeah. uh, Jamie, we're super stoked to but, have uh, you here, and yeah. we're again we're very grateful, and I'm glad that we picked the timing very well uh, that you reached out and you're a Zuko fan, and this is going to be a great episode for for you it guys. It was amazing. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I feel like Toph just got. You know, I just feel like I just got picked up in the middle of a random season, but here we go. Ooh, that's a deep metaphor right there. That's a very timely, appropriate metaphor. Ooh, yeah. I like that. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, we're going to go and talk some Zuko stuff, which is always a good time. So I'm I'm always down for that, to be honest. Well, temper, temper your excitement first, because we have to, because I, not we have to, I, I like it when Chris uh, uses this time to promote his latest works on YouTube, as yeah. he does many tremendous movie reviews, as you are probably well aware. Chris, what have you been up to on YouTube lately? Um, honestly, not that much since our last podcast. I took a week off. I went to uh, I went to a camp for foster children and abused children. and was a camp counselor there, so I was completely off the grid for like a week, which I was great. Hold on, but that means you just I also said like make... apologetically, like man, I'm sorry I didn't produce any content. I was just out helping these <laughs> these kids that have been abused. I know it's no excuse. <laughs> you monster! Sorry, How sorry, could you guys. leave your YouTube fans down for those kids that need your help and support? How could you? The, you know, the sad thing is, though, is that I actually was still working on the video while I was there. Like, <laughs> at 9 o'clock at night when the kids go to sleep, like, the counselors get, like, two hours up to themselves, which I look, I love those kids, like, deeply love them. 
Uh, but I can't wait till that like two hour time <laughs> frame of like I'm just, we're by ourselves. Yeah. Um, and so I was, yeah. And so I was actually working on an upcoming video. So I don't have that much stuff out uh, now since the last one. I think I have a um, uh, a top ten most impactful moments of uh, Ava DuVernay's When They See Us. So uh, mm, check that out. When They See Us is a terrific mini series that everyone should check out. Absolutely. So good. She's amazing. Yeah. I'm she, she really is. Well, I'm sure that your miniseries is amazing, but I'm much more impressed by your community work, Chris. Nicely done. That sounds fantastic. Oh, thank you. And it's way less selfish um, than what I've been up to lately, so that's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, a couple of videos that I am working on. I am uh, working on the history of the LGBTQ plus uh, representation in the Avatar universe. Really excited <laughs> for that. Exciting. Um, to... Exciting. <laughs> I'm pretty much done with it. I just got to do a couple of minor things, adding some fan art from some amazing artists, um, and then and then uh, crediting them them with it. And then I am uh, collaborating with uh, this YouTube YouTuber Rohani Boy, and we're coming out with the top ten most emotional moments from Avatar: The Last Airbender, and then the top ten emotional moments from Legend of Korra on his channel. So that should be coming out like July second or fifth, sometime. So both of those videos should be coming out relatively soon before our next podcast. That sounds spectacular. Yeah, uh, Spoiler-free spoiler thing, but uh, or Chris, sorry if I spoil anything, but Jamie, any recommendations on the LGBTQ front for Chris to include in his video? Ew, oh, like from Avatar, you mean? Yeah. what's uh, I know he's probably got the main ones, but let's check his <laughs> knowledge. I'm not going to. I don't know as much as he does, but you might. I mean, I'm really interested to actually see this video because obviously <laughs> canon in the series there's well avatar specifically there's none but in Korra there's obviously Korra and song at the end yeah um, is, is it fair to say that the only time we get close in the avatar series uh the television series of avatar do they talk about mm. the airbenders at all in the series, or is that uh, no, strictly in, in no, they writing? don't. The closest thing, the closest they get to it is uh, Smellerby, who is part of the the right. um, the Freedom Fighters, and right, and and really, it's it's a little unclear because, and I mentioned that in the video because um, she is, she says that she's a girl. She does have boyish features, um, right. but I kind of say, oh, well, she's in there. But I also talk about Longshot's uh, sentiment to her that it doesn't matter. You know, what people think of you like long as you're comfortable with yourself that's all mm -hmm. that matters that is a really cute line yeah absolutely well, yeah and he says nothing but he delivers it so well yeah. nonverbal communications his his long shot and his nonverbal communications are both on point yeah uh well hey that sounds like <laughs> yeah. it's gonna be sorry that's a terrible joke it sounds like it's gonna be a really exciting video and yeah uh, the only thing that i've seen like from the canon, there's not a lot, but I'm pretty well, like, as far as, like, the fandom goes, it's very, there's a lot of headcanons about the fact that Zuko is probably not straight, but we don't have any confirmation, but I we, I often see that <laughs> fandom lore, so I don't know, but, you know, I'm really excited to see that video, so we'll just, we'll see, I guess. Pro that's, uh, I make a couple... I make a couple uh, couple of theories on some characters. Um, Suko's not one of them, but <laughs> spoiler alert. So I don't uh, I don't really delve into to fan canon very often. So it's interesting to me to hear you say that Zuko may not be straight. Um, it's just something I hadn't really considered before, to be honest. But like I said, I um, I'm sort of I don't want to say a purist on on purpose. <laughs> 
but for the purposes of our podcast, I kind of I, I I haven't expanded beyond the actual canon TV series or some occasional uh, canon well, literature. So that's interesting for me to hear. Yeah. Let me just throw in this one little thing then, um, because it is pretty popular within. I think this is actually where the headcanon came from, but apparently in Japanese lore or um, uh, culture. There was um, kind of a phrasing that had to do with dual swords, meaning sort of kind of going both ways. Like he wields Interesting. two swords. Oh, that's so funny. That's where that came from. That's and really cool. It really caught mm-hmm. on, and I personally love that headcanon. It's a lot, a lot of fun. The fandom has a lot of fun with that one. Uh, so that's, I think that's where it came from. So are you suggesting that the blue spirit is like his, uh, is like a way that he's expressing <laughs> some of his inner feelings? Uh, some of his That's other right. feelings that he has to keep under wraps, maybe, or feels pressure to keep under wraps. Yeah, I think that there is definitely, and I actually have this in my notes, but I think that there is something to do with his anonymity in that stage. Interesting. And just having no expectations, especially coming from a royal family, from an imperialist government. Yeah. Hey, you're right. <laughs> little little pressure there. Chris, hold on. Yeah. Chris, she took notes. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, We're so outclassed. We're so outclassed. That's okay. I... Chris, Chris has like an identic memory for this stuff. He doesn't need to take notes. I probably should take notes. Uh, instead, <laughs> yeah. instead, I like to consult the wiki, uh, the wikis right before the episodes and just do a quick Fair. recap. Yeah. Hey, the he Avatar. Doesn't even, he doesn't even watch the episodes. I'm kidding. He doesn't. I'm gonna. Like... We've never actually seen the show. But... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, you guys blew my cover. Uh, I will say the people that maintain the wiki. Sorry, I'm blushing now that you guys called me out. Uh, the the wikis are remarkable. The people, you know, I know it's fans of keeping those wikis right. for Avatar. They are in in enormously in depth across all official canon media mm-hmm. from the creators. It's amazing, absolutely yeah. amazing. But uh, so yeah, if you hear me say things that didn't come out of the TV show, it's because I read it on Wikia. But <laughs> all right. Uh, hey, I don't want to. I don't want to hold over any longer because we have some interesting questions to ask our guests. We're very excited for these, and uh, you know, it's part of the initiation into the group. You have to answer the difficult questions, such right. as, Come "When on. did you start watching Avatar: The Last Airbender?" Jamie. Well, Chris, you know what? You can answer too, but I think we probably know. <laughs> nah, I think I've already mentioned it before. I was gonna say it sounded like I was asking everybody. I'm actually just asking Jamie nah. specifically. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I sort of, so I very specifically remember watching the pilot episode on its premiere night. Um, nice. So that was in 2005. Um, and I very, because it was the only Nickelodeon show at the time that was uh, on a weekly basis that you had to return to. to like a the serial format type uh, of thing? Yeah, that... yeah, it was, it was the only show that Nickelodeon had produced that was in that format. And it kind of, it really blew my mind. I didn't know, I mean, I was pretty i was probably like i don't know i can't even remember how old i was but i was i was old enough to not have realized that that's how television works like just normal tv mm-hmm. no like, that's, yeah that's a good point i was like what i have to come back and watch like every week but <laughs> but i remember so i remember that episode and then there was like a brief period where i just i watched all the way through the first season and then i got to the second season and i just didn't have time and didn't watch it weekly and then at one point it was actually on netflix and I was much older at that point. I was probably like 15 or 16 that I binge watched it. Um, and then I've just been a fan ever since. Um, so, and I'm 22 now. So, yeah. So it's been, a, I mean, yeah, it's been a couple of years. Your story is probably a little closer to mine than Chris's too. I came in a smidge late. 
Um, and I think Chris, you cut most of it right off, right? <laughs> most of it, or uh, yeah, yeah. I um, I did not watch the premiere episode. Remember, I told you I thought it was some random spinoff of this, yeah. uh, like <laughs> of this oblongs, which is pretty... <laughs> not oblongs, not oblongs. That's not the show. Um, now I forgot what the show was called, but it was like really uh, the Peanuts inspired. Don't know why I thought it was a spinoff of that show. Um, <laughs> I have one. I have one random tidbit to toss in here about the serial concept. In that, so one of my, it's probably my third or fourth favorite cartoon series, is specifically the Scooby Doo Mystery Incorporated series, from Ooh, 2010 okay. to 2013 ish, mm -hmm. and they took they spend off the normal the traditional Scooby Doo format, and it's actually a serial Scooby Doo like there's an overarching story and a greater mystery. <laughs> And it's it's fantastic. I would love to do a show on that, but I think I was one of like only ten Americans that watched it. I think it was mostly UK well, people. Scooby Doo I Mystery mean, Incorporated, been, greatest Scooby Doo I would have been series. Together. I would have been the other part of that ten. I would have me and my roommate would have made two and three because we watched that show a lot. The serial like, one, like the part where I love it. And there's one where they catch Fred with an with with a magazine, and it's called Traps Illustrated, and it's got like a uh, yeah. like a model holding a, a weird contraption. I'm like, oh, I love the humor that in that show. Some, uh, it's, yeah. Sorry, tangent, but it's just I I think what what I'm getting to that is I believe the success <laughs> yeah, of Avatar uh, as a serial sort of kids show format actually did have some inspiration on Hanna Barbera, and I think that's one of the earlier ones they tried in a similar mm -hmm. vein. So I swear I had a point there. <laughs> yes. I think on, I think on Nickelodeon the only other one I can think of is Wolverine and, and the X Men. Um, was that, that show got? I don't. Was it was. Or was that yeah. No, it was on Nickelodeon. Surprisingly. That is surprising. And then no, Disney and then Disney bought Marvel thing, right? and yeah. they canceled it. Interesting. It. I didn't know that Fox. Uh, right. What would have been a Fox property on Nickelodeon? Am I understanding um, that right? <laughs> Uh, no, Marvel wasn't owned by anyone at that time, so it was just gotcha. a Marvel property. Okay. Marvel was letting anybody be on anything. Interesting. Oh. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, because uh, Wolverine, uh, X Men Evolution was on Kids WB, which is WB owned. Yeah. Thing, and so like, you can watch uh, you know, like Static Shock, which is I don't know who it's owned by necessarily, but it's it's like WB DC does that. And then you have Wolverine, not Wolverine, X-Men Evolution, and that's Marvel and stuff, but they're both on Kids WB. So at that point, Marvel was just like willy-nilly willy on who they, on what channels they put stuff on. Interesting. Yeah, that's interesting. I had no idea that that was a thing, so thank <laughs> you for neither. that knowledge. Fun facts? <laughs> Fun facts all around. Yeah. Uh, this is the most, the, the most knowledge-packed episode we've ever done. I think so. Jamie, question number two. What type of bender would you be? Which art would you practice? I 100,000% am a water bender at heart. I have been mm. since um, But, you know, when I, was a, when I was younger and watching it, I was like, how would anyone, like, win against a water bender? They're all amazing. As I've gotten older, rewatching the series, I have a lot of appreciation for the different um, fighting styles and for all the different elements, like what they bring to the table, way more than I did the first time I watched it. Um, but yeah, I'm a waterbender. Chris, to be fair, I don't know if you've ever gotten to answer this question, have you? So I think you should take a shot. No, I've never answered. Uh, you know, I've, I've recently I've been thinking a lot about it. Like I don't know why. <laughs> but because um, hashtag podcast, man. Yeah, um, because like. I'm not as aggressive, you know, to be fire. I don't think like I'm way too laid back for that. 
Um, water, as much as I love the way water flows, I don't think I'm like that, even though I'm very adaptable. Um, so it comes down to like earth. And I am, I can be stubborn sometimes, but I'm still easygoing. And sometimes when I, like, I love just a nice windy day, I can just <laughs> close my eyes and so just be, you. just let the wind overtake me. Um, so really I'm the avatar, that's what I'm oh, trying okay. to say. Oh, that's <laughs> what you're saying. But <laughs> <laughs> if, I, if I had to pick though. What a beautiful answer. But, yeah, if I had to pick though, I would be an, an airbender, I think, which is, but you wouldn't think that that would be the answer, but I think I would be an airbender. I'm very, I can be very go with the flow. Mm-hmm. Uh, somewhat of an oxymoron sometimes, I feel like. I may not have thought of it, but I like it. Tremendous answer. <laughs> Tremendous. And then, uh, so Chris, at this point, I was going to give you one more chance. If there was any other questions uh, you had for her before I lead in with one final question, that's going to be our segue. Um, What ship do you hate most? What ship do you love most? Oh, good question. Oh, my goodness. Oh, this is deep. This is <laughs> I deep. know that's actually from Twitter. Uh, Wasn't prepared for this. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, okay, so this is like, all right. There's there's two parts to this. So the ship that I like the most, uh, the the one that I think could be the most realistic, that could be canon. I'm I'm a huge Zutara fan. Um, that's fun. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. You're, I was like, ah, we're not gonna do this. Um, I think that could be that's probably the canon ship that I I enjoy. But you know, recently, you know, it's Pride Month. I've been reading some stuff. I really like Zuko and Sokka. That's a total crack shit. That would never happen in the show. It's just never, ever going to happen. What they call that? A Zaka? Zuka. Sako? I'm going with Sako. Yeah, that's a total crack ship. It would just never happen in canon. However, it's funny. fun time. It's a fun time in fandom. But which one do I hate the most? I, I, you're not going to like me for this. I do not oh, like... Oh, gosh. Sorry. <laughs> I do not like Zuko and Mai. I hate her. I'm not oh, gonna... okay. Never mind. That's fine. Okay. I'm good with that. What did you think she was going to say? I like her, and I like her, but I just... That relationship is just really hard for me to watch. I'm like, ah, like, he just needs someone who's, who it's, actually cares. It's not even a relationship. Them. That's garbage. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I don't problem. think it's... I, I think it's the less healthiest relationship out of all the... Um, at all the relationships in the show yeah and i think yeah kind of like thinking about zuko's character no, but like yeah you know, he needs he has just had no love basically his whole life like you can't be with this girl <laughs> that's just actively. no that's that's a really good point i i did a i did a video over um if Sokka is the father of suyin mm-hmm. of, of toff's daughter and uh and yeah. so like, and so I've always been thinking about doing a video of like, all right, who is the mother of Izumi? I think you bring up some uh, some good points that I should uh, consider. <laughs> Which I, I went into it, going into it, I already have an opinion on who that person is, but I'm not going to divulge that. <laughs> Save that for a spoiler or a teaser for another video. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I don't, I don't want these uh, tens of people to know. And... <laughs> tens and twenties of Twitter fans. Chris, who did right. you think? You know, you know, I'm gonna say, say I think it's Suki. <laughs> I think <laughs> you cracked. We got him. I did. I cracked. It, uh, it took well. it. It took five seconds of not prodding him before he broke. <laughs> oh, okay. I'll Definitely you. not Earthbender <laughs> material. That's for sure. Uh. <laughs> who did you think she was gonna say? Like you jumped out right away. You're like, I, I know. I it. thought she. I thought she was gonna say Katang, Katara oh, and Aang. Well, 
first time was not a fan at all. All right, let me just let me just say something because yo, you guys are not fourteen year old girls at any point, okay? But I was. That's fair. <laughs> it's true. I was not. I don't know. You don't know me. You don't know my life. <laughs> oh, you're right. I'm sorry. Come on to our show. Judge us. Just start <laughs> hurling insults around. I'm sorry. But it's probably a fair thing to say. <laughs> um, but the thing is, is that I, I just can't imagine any. I don't know. Maybe Katara is just the least shallow person ever. That's probably fair. But like, I just, I don't know anybody that could have been romantically involved with someone two years their junior. When they were only fourteen themselves, and so like like Blake's statement, like the the age isn't already an issue. Like, it's hard to to work through these ideas with a cast of children anyway. So already we kind of have to push that past us. But it was just kind what of about strange. What about a like thirteen a, and fifteen year old? See, I just I think like I don't I don't know girls kind of tend to mature a lot faster than guys. <laughs> Granted, Aang was in a very special circumstance. You're talking to two 30-year-old men who still watch a cartoon for fun, so yeah, that's probably fair. <laughs> I mean, and and I Aang's, think, yeah. in Aang's defense, he's actually 112 years old. That's, see? Is that better or it, worse? It made I, it, it made I actually it don't know. That could be better or worse, yeah. <laughs> could be worse. Um, no, I mean, I don't, I don't hate them now at all, but I, and then I don't <laughs> think I hated them at first. I was just like, oh, this is unrealistic. And plus, I was a huge Katara fan. So I really thought that Katara was going to be a thing. So that really kind of like, that that was what was driving my emotions the first time. Now I, <laughs> I think that if they do it in the live, okay, in the live action remake though, if they're going to expand a little bit, they have more room to work. I feel like, you know, why not give those Katara fans, like even if you don't plan to make an end game, like just give them a little something, like maybe like just try it out, see how it works. If it doesn't work, go back to to Katara and Aang. Like, that's totally fine. But, like, I feel like it needs some validation. It's a great ship. So, that's me on that. Some, in my, uh, I did a casting video of, uh, of, of, for the Netflix series. Mm-hmm. And, um, and for Aang, I cast, like, a, I cast Ian Chin from Fresh Off the Boat. And he's oh. probably, like, 13 years old. Yeah. And for Katara, I cast this, uh, actress name, dang it, um, Sienna Ugadong, she she's been in a couple of different things. Uh, okay. She's on this Netflix uh, show. Anyway, she's like fourteen. And then for Zuko, I cast Ludi Lin. Uh, which oh, going back, I oh, would probably oh, cast Ludi Lin. Uh, but Ludi Lin is like thirty, but he looks like he's seventeen. Like he played the Black Power Ranger in Power Rangers, right? Yeah. So like someone's like Black Mirror episode, <clears throat> Breaking Vipers. Oh, is he? Okay. Good time. Good time. Uh, so so, so <laughs> someone wrote in the comments. I hate this cast for Ludi Lin. He's way too old for Katara. I'm like, I wasn't fair, thinking fair. about that when I was doing it. Like, I wasn't concerned about the age difference between a 14 year old and like a 30 year old because I was really trying to hold Aang and Katara close. But right. Like, when it came to Zuko, I was like, because because Utara is not something that I even ever consider to be a thing. <laughs> That's that's why you're here on the show. You're you're here to add diversity because I'm gonna take Chris aside and say that's not something I think. That's that's why you're here is to represent the other side of the ship universe. Zutara is a huge, huge fandom favorite. Oh, we know. So so that's everywhere. I just I think it would be weird if in the live action they didn't even address it. Because I feel like they won't. So I don't think they will. I think they're gonna stick to uh, to the source material 
pretty closely. I think I would. I mean, just we're we guessing here, right? But I don't think they'll touch it. Um, I feel like they've got more room. I think they've got more space. Maybe <laughs> they're gonna age up the characters a little bit. That could help. We'll see. I don't yeah, know. it it'll be. I'll, I'll be interested to see if your prediction comes to light. That's for sure. Yeah. I, man, Sutara, the, like, can't stuff? Can't you ever just have stuff work out how you want it to work out with like a perfect little happy ending? And no, <laughs> whatever, <laughs> whatever, it's fine. Uh, you know what? Uh, I'm actually excited. At the end of the episode, uh, I have some thoughts to share. Maybe on on why my placement of Zuko in terms of like my favorite characters isn't in the same place as most people, and okay. I, I'm excited to divulge my opinions at that time. But Sorry. I'll shut up for now. Uh, hey, with that, so I do have one more question, but it's a segue, right? So there's like a there's a correct answer. You got to nail this one, all right? You ready? All right. Who is yeah. your favorite character in the series? Well, you know, that's a really tough one. I just go back. It's Zuko, 100%. Like yeah. It doesn't actually have to be Zuko. You can give a real answer. But I was hoping you'd give me a nice segue there. Is, is that your actual answer? I'm curious. My actual answer is Zuko. Zuko is a thousand percent my favorite character. Great. Show. What a perfect. I'm so glad. People, you have to understand, we didn't we didn't time this out on purpose. Jamie reached out to us <laughs> like, like after the last episode. This happened to be the next episode. Uh, so like she could she could have came in on the Great Divide and it would have been a much different <laughs> episode. And we'd have been like, "Hey, do you guys want to talk about this?" And she'd have been like, "No." And then we'd have moved on. It'd have been funny. But I mean, I would have had more jokes though because this is a serious episode. I'm like, "Oh, ain't not much joke about here." But no, not at all. The joke episodes, uh, yeah, those are my specialty those, personally. First, those are yours. <laughs> that's, that's where I jump in. Oh yeah, those are. So, well, without further ado, uh, talking about your favorite character, probably one of the most important episodes. I'm just taking a, a shot in the dark here in your in you guys' preferences, both of you. So I'm going to let you guys, if you don't mind, walk us through uh, walk us through this episode. Yeah. Um, all right. So uh, so we, we start off. We pick up. Zuko has left Iroh and, and he's in the Earth Kingdom. And, he, and I really love this opening scene. Because like they do so much storytelling and so much character work, um, with no words at all. <laughs> like Zuko is is wary, um, like he's running out of water. He's he's like passing in and out of consciousness. And when he like passes out, he sees visions of his mother. Um, at one point, he considers robbing this these people, um, and then he realizes that she's pregnant. So that says like, oh, Zuko's not. Zuko's bad enough to rob somebody, but he's not that bad to like rob right. a pregnant woman. Uh, yeah. So I just think this opening is is really fantastic. It's it's a really important thing to see right off the bat. Like we open on Zuko alone. Okay, roll credits. Zuko alone, and he's riding his little ostrich horse thing that that I think looks like a, like a reject Pokemon. Like what? It's like a, it's a chocobo actually. <laughs> oh, okay, sorry. It's a chocobo. Yeah, I whatever it is. It's weird. anyways. <laughs> <laughs> He's riding in town on this thing. Um, not yeah, the not the only weird animal, animal in this episode either. Oh, definitely not. Mm. No, there's a lot of fun. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. So he's riding in, and um, I think it's a really important thing that we see right off the bat that he, yeah, like you said, he considers robbing someone, and he sees that it's you know a pregnant couple, and he's like, I I guess I better not, you know, this time I'll be. Um. But I think it is the just how many moments of internal conflict that he has that he, indecision that he has to go and, and make in this episode alone i think is really reflective of his journey overall so i like that yeah yeah sean what the 
heck do you think about this That's, opening? We don't care. It, it is a very, it. it's a very touching <laughs> opening. Uh, and then, I mean, especially because you start off, you feel for Zuko right away. Like they do mm-hmm. a tremendous job, as you mentioned, of showing he's. It's not like he's tired, right? He's in pain. He's basically basically he's dying. Starving. He's starving. And yeah, so, he's starving. He's dying. Yeah, they come out and they they come out swinging, and you you have the feels for Zuko right away. They do a tremendous job. Yeah. They also did some good artwork, um, some good character detail. Like you can tell he's been traveling alone for a while. Like he looks skinnier. Like he doesn't look as full as he looked before. Mm-hmm. Uh, so really, like amazing, minor, subtle, you know, uh, work done there. Right. <clears throat> Absolutely. Yeah. And then he he strolls into town, and <laughs> and immediately he meets. Uh, you know, he, he's getting trying to get feed, trying to get food. He, he doesn't have enough money to get a whole meal. So he has to buy just food for his ostrich and himself. He'll just eat. He he's so down on his luck that he has to eat the same food that his horse right. eats. Horsestrich. <laughs> yeah. And then he doesn't even get that. So yeah, yikes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, then we meet we meet the uh, the Earth Kingdom thug. I'll just call him. Like, that's what Zuko called him. I don't know if he has. And a he name, really, does he? maybe he does, but yeah, he, he's a thug. He does have a name. Um, I didn't. I didn't see. I, for, I looked it up today. I forgot what it was. I'll I have to pull up the wiki I for that one. I don't know. <laughs> I just called them the thug, like the thug soldiers. I don't even give them names. Like they don't even deserve names right now. They're, <laughs> yeah, they're a-holes. They don't get names. Uh, but yeah, they uh, they they he he steals Zuko's stuff after he just paid for it, and the guy is like, <laughs> the guy doesn't like give his money back, and he's like, well, that's your problem. Um. Yeah, and then uh, oh, go ahead. Uh, go ahead. No, you well, go I was ahead. Say, like a, a, a really important moment because so these are Earth Kingdom soldiers, right? Like these are supposed yep. to be the good guys, but they are not the ones. I think it's important to point out, and yeah. I think the creators did this on purpose. These are not the ones on the front line. These are the guys no, that are no. are. May, yeah. I don't. They I don't say they're, they're soldiers, but I think we could make yeah. a case that maybe. They're not even so. They're just taking it upon right. themselves to like organize crime, yeah. protect the place. Yeah, that's true. They're they're mm. like they're not because they didn't go to war. They're just they're calling themselves soldiers. They're not soldiers. I think we could make um, a case, and I think the creators did yeah. that on purpose here. Yeah, but it is like the first kind of glimpse of the intricacies of war because it's not, you know, maybe the Fire Nation isn't the only bad in this, you know, in the world and people can take advantage of situations that are presented to them in the case that these guys do. So it's kind of like the, the first glimpse of that more kind of complicated element of war of, you know, who is suffering, who is at fault, who causes the suffering. And that's a really complicated question. And I think it's really interesting that they ask that in this particular episode, focus on Zuko. Yeah. Completely agree. Uh, and then he meets a little boy who has like the most the worst teeth and and <laughs> <animation. laughs> <It's gonna happen. laughs> starting with this part. Uh, yeah. and then uh and then he meets her family and it's such a weird like moment like mm-hmm. his family like immediately starts like in in, in a way like impeding on zuko they're like oh stay for dinner and because you're staying for dinner, you have to do work for us. <laughs> like, oh, that is well, okay. So that's I, I took this as a very different interpretation. I did too. So, 
Um, well, so the way that I kind of saw this, um, because it's the mother that says this, and, and we kind of missed yeah. it. There was an earlier flash, not a flashback, but a vision of Suko's mother that kind of gives him strength to keep going. Yeah. Um, and I think in this moment, the mother recognizes someone who's in very serious need, someone who is alone, and she knows that she's not going to have, or he has way too much pride to take something without being able to offer something in return. So I think that her... No, that's that's, that's a really good point. I, it's yeah, worth noting that uh, so yeah. he got invited to dinner because he, he protected the kids from the the kid from the soldiers after he yeah. was right. through tomatoes, maybe. And so I, I was actually like, Jamie, I was giving yeah. him some credit for that. Like he got to stay right. for dinner. Uh, I don't know if I felt like he had to stay. I feel like that was a choice or maybe a survival instinct. Like, hey, maybe <laughs> if I help, I'll get a little more food. Yeah, I think, yeah. I think it was having someone reach out to him and, and just being like, hey, like, well, I know you're not going to just stay, but fine, if you want to offer something in return, but, like, also, you know, we, we all understand what's going on here. So, yeah, a nice a nice moment, I thought, yeah. Much as I hate to do it, I'll no, give no, it's a, credit, yeah. <laughs> no, actually, that's a good point, and the, and the more I think about it, I feel like I'm going to take it a step further, yeah. in that they're sort of trying to replace their their son. Like, yeah. It, yeah, that's yeah. Nice. I'm going to jump way back to, I'm going to jump way ahead and like mm-hmm. when the little boy is like, "Oh, are you gonna stay?" Like, right? <laughs> like he's he, like they're, yeah. Like they they see that they have a, a hole in their family, and they see that this kid, he's he's just a piece. Like he has no other structure around him, and he can fit with them. Um, so you know what? You guys changed my mind on that little part. But Chris, it's that just was, that in, was hashtag in, deep. Well done. <laughs> it's just that in real life, if someone invites you to dinner, right? It's not like, all right, you come to dinner, but now go mow the yard. Well, <laughs> like, like, dinner's free. <laughs> like, maybe if you were in the desert, starving, riding on the back of an ostrich horse thing, maybe, maybe you would feel differently. Chris, if you invite me over for dinner, I will be so grateful, but there is zero chance. I don't even like mowing my own yard. I'm not mowing your yard. I'll give you money or something. I don't know. Maybe if you don't have money to give, maybe that's where this turns. <laughs> Yeah, true. Uh, okay. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so he gets uh, he gets fully um, kind of initiated into, into this family, and then um, he sleeps there and everything. He sleeps in the in the back yard because you know he might be like pseudo family now, but he's not real family. You can't sleep in the house, which is good on them. You don't let strangers in your house. Good choice. Um, yeah, uh, but then little boy finds. Um, he finds the swords, and he's just, like, playing with them all willy-nilly. Like, just about to chop his head off. Um, <laughs> yeah. Until, until Zuko, like, shows him, like, no, this is how you, like, really hold this. Like, And I really love, like, Zuko's, like, deep meaning on there. Um, oh, also, fun fact, I forgot where I read this at, but Zuko was actually trained in in swordsmanship by a... Oh, it, it was in the Lost Adventures, I think, comic book. Oh, Zuko yeah. was trained um, by Master Pian Dao, who trained Sokka. Yeah, which that's amazing. I didn't know that, but like, who else? Who else would be yeah. there? Deserve the best. Is that a is that a Sako ship uh, beginning origin story? Is that where that comes from? That's where it is. That's where it is. <laughs> that's, that's the connection. Oh, there's my comic book. Full full circle today. Full circle. Yeah, Master Pai Sue Sokka. Oh, hey, you know, I saw, someone else came through here. So this is a. Uh, he had dual swords. Might be interesting. You guys are probably perfect for each other. Check him out. See, so much as this is a serious episode, 
there there are comedic notes uh, that I appreciate, and one of them is Zuko's like really shoddy craftsmanship on the work on that roof that they're patching. Yeah. And they, I mean, they make yeah. a point to like, a he's struggling out there, he's not doing a good job, and then B Lee's like poking him with all these personal questions while he's up there, and he's already like having a rough time. And I feel like that's the yeah. dad's way of like taking pity, like. All right, he's already he's about to fall off this roof, not knowing how to use a hammer. Can you just like not ask him any more questions, kid? Yeah. And it just uh, it's not meant to be comedic, but they do a nice job of it. It's got a nice they capture the kid pretty well, I think. I think they capture yeah. the kid asking those kind of questions pretty well. For sure. Sorry, I zoned out there for a minute. I wanted to go grab this comic book, and uh, and yeah, he was because uh, Sokka, Sokka in season three, not season well. It's in this book, but it's during the time of season three, of book three. Oh. Uh, Sokka challenges Zuko to a sword fight. Where, <laughs> and, and Where is this? It is in uh, the, uh, ah, right there, the uh, Lost Adventures book. Amazing. And which, which most of it, most of it is canon. Um, <laughs> it's, a, it's a great Sokka-Zuko exchange. Um, but anyway, um, uh, Zuko says to him, like, don't get your hopes up, Sokka. I started training with Master Piandao when I was just a kid. So I think I can take a beginner like you. Mm-hmm. And then they have a sword fight. Does Amazing. it end or did we get like the Toph Boomy thing where it gets cut off? Um, Zuko is clearly winning for a while there. And the, like Sokka is on, Sokka's on the floor. like Doing his best Sokka then, uh... face. That's a great Sokka face right there. Yeah. Oh, good. So good. And then I forget how it completely ends. Oh, so <laughs> it's kind of funny. It goes back to their first encounter, actually, which is amazing. Um, Zuko ends up disarming Sokka. Like he, he knocks the sword out of his hand. And then Sokka <laughs> takes out his boomerang and throws it at Zuko and then misses the first time. And then it comes back around and hits him in the back of the head, just like episode one. Amazing. That's, I love that. What a pleasant callback. Amazing. Chris, way to cite your sources. Nicely done. I know, right? Yeah, that's how you that's how you do stuff. You're not just you know? gonna toss facts out here all willy nilly. We're educating yeah, people yeah. on this podcast. Exactly. <laughs> not happy to have the comic book right. That right that's here, also convenient. So. <laughs> I'd have yeah, had to, I'd have had to look it up on Wikia for sure. <laughs> the mother of all sources. Uh so anyway, the kids playing with the swords. And then Zuko uh, comes out, gives him some pointers that seem like they have some deeper meaning than just typical, typical yeah. training tib- tidbits. I mean, I think it's really nice. This moment is just phenomenal. I remember watching this for the first time and just like my heart like completely melting um, because at this point, you know, we, we haven't seen a whole lot of turn in Zuko. We see a little bit, but we don't really... He doesn't really seem like the, the the most kind person, so it's actually quite a shock when he doesn't come out and like y- like yell at this kid and rip this kid apart. <laughs> like he actually comes out and he's like, "Yeah, I'm gonna give you some pointers," and it's kind of a little nice foreshadowing moment of his actual like teaching abilities and his sort of like inclination to help people out. And I just I really like it a lot. Yeah, and then he I think this is the moment that he gives him uh, the dagger. And we'll get to to the dagger because mm-hmm. it's in the flashback. We'll, we'll just go over all the flashback, um, and yeah. then in the nets and like the net scene, um, Hizuko's about to leave, and and the mother comes to him. She's like, 
oh, they took my son. They uh, like they started like I don't know messing with him. He he pulled out a knife. I don't know where he even got a knife from. Yeah. Then, like just the it's fact like that in the kids kid. show. Yeah. <laughs> like that statement, like a kid pulled out a knife. Yeah. Like, like that sounds really dangerous. It's kind of messed up. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. I'm just imagining this little kid just like come at me, and then just I don't know, getting way too aggressive. It's <laughs> funny um, so when I was watching this. When I'm watching this with my uh, my daughter was happened to happened to be there, and she was like, "Zuko gave him the knife." <laughs> yeah, I don't know why that was funny. I'm like you're right. He's not even. He's not owning it. Like he didn't tell the mother. Your daughter's yeah. not gonna pull any budget. She's gonna call him. Yeah. She's gonna call him on his crap. <laughs> Definitely. Like she's clearly asking. We gotta keep that under wraps. Like what? A knife? What is that? I've never yeah. heard of that. What's, what's yeah, a knife? Heard of a knife. <laughs> Who's your son? I've never even met the kid before. I've never seen him. <laughs> oh man. Uh, that seems like a better story uh, arc to me. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> and then uh and then Zuko confronts them and I absolutely love this this fight. Uh, I love it because you know Zuko confronts the first three <clears throat> without even like completely unshedding unsheathing? Unsheathing. Yes. Unsheathing his sword, like it's all just—he is so much a step above all of them yeah. that he just takes them out. Yeah, and he and like I like this too because he is really knocking them down quite a few steps. He's like, you, you, you guys couldn't even pretend to be good at fighting. You are that. <laughs> yeah, bad. just a like, bunch of thugs, man. <laughs> yeah, and then I, mean, I love the voice actor of of the main head guy. Um, he's done a lot of great voice work in the animation. Um, he has this really like deep voice. He did a voice work on Static Shock, uh, where he plays Ebon, who's like the most very. If you ever watched that, he's a very shadowy guy. I just like the moment where he's like, Rizuko talks crap to him. He's like, "You guys gonna let this fool talk to you like this?" Like he's completely ignoring the fact that Zuko's talking to everybody, and he forces these guys pretty much to go and fight him and fight his own battle for the, for himself. Classic coward thug theory. Well, then, well yeah. demonstrated. <laughs> Yeah, and, and he starts out, like, Zuko starts out this fight, like you said, not even all the way unsheathing his swords, but he starts out using his dual swords. And I think this is, like, a good time to point out this thing that I've sort of been thinking about rewatching the series as well. Um, like, Zuko is arguably a better swordsman than he is a firebender. <laughs> and, like... Especially this point, I think. Yeah, like, every time, right, like, after, you know, book three is later, but, like... yeah. You know, after seeing the Blue Spirit episodes and just all the yes. stuff, those dual swords, like, he's arguably better. And I think that there's, like, two kind of reasons for this that, that relate to the flashbacks. But, like, you know, for one, he's he's never going to outbend Azula. At least not that, you know. Or maybe he will. Do we know? Eh, yeah. He, I guess eventually. But, like, he doesn't really, you know, he, he's not beat her yet. And so I think he's kind of looking for something that he can be better at her then so i think that's one reason oh yeah that's a good point um yeah i just don't think he, i don't think that he ever really feels like he can outbend her so he's just gonna do something else and then two though I, I like kind of going back to what i said earlier like the blue spirit anonymity just having you know he's under so much pressure to be this amazing firebender because of who his family is and don't get me wrong he's a great firebender but this he has this issue with being have, having to be the best and having to you know be just the most absolutely praised 
kind of person and and it gets in the way um but when he's the blue spirit when he's using those dual swords that's like completely him that's just <laughs> him doing what he needs to do in that moment there's no expectations from anybody because they don't know who he is and just not having that family name attached to him in that moment and in this particular moment because they don't know who he is yet mm. he's really just good at it and that's <laughs> I, I, th I think that's why i like him with the dual swords so much because it's just a really it feels different even than when he's firebending yeah and it's really it's really interesting because he he still holds on to the dual swords like there's there's an image of them yeah. as adults and he still has like the dual swords on his back <laughs> and so that's like, something he never he never gave up and he, he probably learned it in secret that way azula wouldn't be like oh i want to be better at you than that <laughs> oh yeah yeah he did not have azula anywhere near those swords. yeah like not at all I wouldn't this want to make my like thing, a, Azula. Uh, yeah. I wouldn't want to make like a sweeping statement because uh, you know I think they demonstrate that firebending takes practice or something. But there's a I think this is a nice demonstration of of maybe where Azula has natural natural gifts as a firebender and just yeah. the implied idea of that only certain people have bending and certain people yeah. don't versus something uh, that demonstrates uh, that demonstrates Zuko's drive and something that he had to learn independently. Um, so right. it's sort of like a training versus a natural talent potential thing. And I think this, that's yeah, kind of a yeah. nice demonstration as well. That's yeah. really interesting. We're on, to, we're on to some stuff here. Some, some real stuff to ponder. Is it safe to say this is our hashtag deepest episode yet? Maybe. Wow. Maybe. It's crazy. It's, it's nice when you throw one more intellectual human into, you know, into this. That's what, that's what happens. Man. Now you got two. Right? Yeah. Chris and Jamie. <laughs> let's let's be clear let's let's be clear i don't want to confuse anybody yeah i'm kidding I'm, I'm just here for the uh for the for the funny episodes that's all i'm here for boomy <laughs> even if i didn't vote for uh, it oh, i, I uh, need to turn my car for half a second so i was gonna make a sound sorry okay we're back sorry Hey, this is Jamie's dedication to the game. She's literally talking I, to us from not while she's driving. She's not driving, I'm not, right? I'm not, I'm not driving. I don't think she's driving. My phone is like you're gonna die. Gotcha. Gonna gotcha. Die. Get so it charged up. Hey, I should warn you. We talk a lot on this show. <laughs> no, it's good. I thought I, I thought I was like, oh, suddenly I'm at twenty percent. It's fine. But anyways, I'm excellent. Good. <laughs> uh, no, you're good. Uh, and then, uh, and then I love that. That guy using the hammers, like that's a really good. I love when weapons are used as extensions of bending. Um, so that was cool. And then, uh, and pretty much Zuko turns the fight around, which, which, uh, which I, oh, you know, we'll get to that. So then we'll go back to the flashbacks. Because there are multiple, right? Um, they happen at yeah. multiple points here. There are, yeah, there are multiple points. Um, so it opens, <laughs> the flashbacks open. With Zuko with his mom, which I I love this introduction yeah. to his mom. Like they do they do a nice job of just like starting with her hand because it's still kind of a she's still an unknown figure, and then they finally raise and, and show her. Yeah. And then Zuko's like, "You want to know how Azula feeds the ducks?" And he just throws a piece of bread at yeah <laughs> turtle uh, turtle ducks just, specifically. Yeah. Even from a young age, that girl is crazy. <laughs> like, oh, she she is real crazy. crazy. She real is crazy. yeah. And you can just see how manipulative she is in there. So then, very, um, yes, very much. yeah. And then they're they're playing, and like she plays up the whole like sweet girl, like oh, we, I want Zuko to play with me. Shouldn't we all get along and everything? Mm -hmm. And then, oh, but before that, <laughs> Ty Lee 
does like a somersault <laughs> and she lands it perfectly. And Azula just pushes her on the, on the ground. God, like she's she is... such a psycho. <laughs> like it's not even like for anything. Like she's not trying to yeah. win anything. She's just like, no, you just, I'm just going to push you. Like, and yeah. we're just going to throw bread at ducks. Like it's, yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> 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 not for any reason, just for the heck of it. Uh, yeah, but I think they, I think they do a good job showing the difference between um, between Azula and and Ursa. Like before this, yeah. we could have assumed that Ursa was also evil, you know, just like everybody else. Right. Um, but then we showed like, oh no, she's actually really sweet. She's really loving, and mm-hmm. she was everything that Zuko needed in in life. Potentially right. arranged marriage yeah. there. Any chance yeah. of an arranged marriage between Ursa and? Oh, it, it's a it's a definite. A very good chance. Yeah. If no, it's a, it's a definite. It's a yeah. it's a definite arranged marriage. Um, in the search, um, yeah. So in the search, uh, she is okay. she's the daughter of like some some flowers, and uh, and eventually, Fire Lord Azulon tracks her down, and he's like, like she she already has like a a, a boyfriend, and she's gonna get married to him and everything. His name is Akeem, oh, okay. and, and so she's like really happy in love and everything. And then Fire Lord Zulon comes. He's like, "Oh, you're the granddaughter of of Avatar Roku. Like, we need we've we've been trying to track his bloodline, and we want you to marry uh, my son Prince Ozai, and together you will have like like they've been tracking Avatar Roku's lineage because okay. they can sense. force them to create like powerful children who would be even more powerful. Mm-hmm. And fan- so she I had to that. leave her family. That makes a lot of sense." Now she, had to, yeah. she had to leave her family, leave her fiance, and so yeah, it's a, it's a definite arranged marriage. Like she's not happy; she didn't choose to be with him. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, very good. And, and I think it's interesting too that again, well, we know Iroh. Like everyone, we like Iroh, I guess. But like this is another. You guess group. what? No, I love him. I love you guess him. what? Say. No, no, hey. Hold on, I gotta, <laughs> I've gotta mute her microphone really quick. I'll be right back. <laughs> I didn't mean it that way. I mean, like, as far as... <laughs> he seems harmless anyway. Like, Fair enough. Iroh's an interesting character, but there, she is probably one of the first people from the Fire Nation that we see that's just not... That's, like, just very... She's very sweet. She's very kind. Yeah. Like, it's kind of this, you know... She seems out of place in this Fire Nation. Um, yeah, yeah. It's important to see that as well, that there are those kind of people in the Fire Nation, too, that have also been affected by the war and by you know the, the whole government situation so yeah and, and even no, more and, so and, comics yeah yeah and speaking of iroh like we also get a lot of fantastic information about iroh here so much good um, mm-hmm. and so we see that iroh like we see him on the cusp of winning the war essentially bringing down the walls completely about say he's breached them like he's out there he's on the front lines he writes a letter to them, like, playfully saying, oh, it's a magnificent city. Hope you get to see it unless we burn it down. Like, and then they all laugh about it. Yeah, they're like, they're oh. laughing about, like, it, it's, it's so interesting on what such a different character, what, what such a different person Ira was at this point in his life. Um, right. I did a whole video uh, documenting the untold life of Ira. Like, all right, here's everything that's canon. Here are things that I think that's happened. Like, why did he fight for the Fire Nation in the first place? Mm-hmm. Like, like he's easily like because he thought this was good 
uh, the creators say that he was actually just naturally gifted at war. And so he just kind of went along with it because he was good at it. And well, yeah, I mean, think, about, and think he, about how smart he is. Think about like his strategic mind is just yeah. probably <laughs> unparalleled in the Fire Nation. Maybe my favorite, ep- oh, yeah. uh, maybe my favorite video on your channel, Chris. Uh, out of all of them, mm-hmm. that's one of my favorites. Oh, well, good. Yeah. It's. I wish I didn't. Sometimes I want to remake it because it's 16 minutes long. I'm like, eh, people. It's 16 minutes of pure <laughs> pure engagement and information. Go watch oh, it. That's good. Go watch it, tens <laughs> of fans. Go watch it, mom. If you're watching, go watch it. Just kidding. Um, my mom doesn't watch this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, but then, um, <laughs> I don't think my mom knows I do a podcast. It's really so. hard to get internet where my parents live. I don't know how good their internet is. I'm not going to lie to you. She may not be able to. <laughs> they might still be on dial. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so you see, you see Iroh, um, and he's, he's infiltrating the walls of bossing say, and then, and then, like the flashback goes even a little further in time, where Ursa gets news that his son Tin has died, and right. and like the way Azula reacts to this is, ah, this is, is like thing. yeah, this is this is thing right disturbing. here. Disturbing. <laughs> yeah, bad. it's real bad. She like she tells Zuko like, oh, Uncle Iroh's not coming. Home. Oh, Uncle Uncle, she says Uncle Iroh's coming home. And Zuko's like, oh, so that means war over? She's like, no. His son died, and he got all sad and left. Like, Right. Yeah. So th- Jeez. This is really... So already, so she's had some, some moments in here. Um, first, she actively says that she wishes Iroh would die. So that... Yes, yes. ...become yes. a new Fire Lord. So, so that's... She's already... Yeah, just off, off the charts. Psychotic. But then we get this moment where she's saying, she tells Zuko that him, that Iroh coming back from war as a result of his son dying is weak. And if it were mm-hmm. her, or if it was a stronger person, yeah. they would go and burn Ba Sing Se to the ground out of revenge. And I thought this is, this is sort of some very ingrained toxic masculinity of this entire nation coming through in the form of this little girl which is totally wild but it's true like i mean what's happening here is that she's basically saying that this you know violence vengeance is the only solution to you know dealing with her son with his son's loss so that's just it kind of really informs the rest of her character and sort of also the rest of Zuko's character because this is the reaction that he's constantly getting you know if something you know he's not allowed to be upset about things and if you're upset about something or if you want to fix something or you want something changed the way to do it is with violence um, and that's coming from the top you know that's that is a no. product of what that nation is no Just, yikes <laughs> Sean, what do you have to say? I'm actually, I can't stop thinking about what I'm going to say at the conclusion of the video about Zuko. So oh I'm, I'm spacing right. off a little bit, but all this contributes to it, I swear. All this is contributing to it okay. beautifully. Right. Uh, I'm going to hold in my words. All right. Teaser, teaser. Great analysis. Great analysis. Also, uh, you know, I'll chime in one thing is that 
if there's one thing <laughs> that makes Azula not interesting is that she does kind of have that just evil for the sake of being evil vibe. Uh, She's that maybe, all the way evil. Yeah, maybe yeah, no. you would argue the same for like Ozai too, that maybe if there's if there's a flaw that gets pointed out with the series that I do agree with, it's maybe the villains being evil for the sake of evil sometimes. So you see, see, I kind of think right away here. I kind of think that Azula, Azula being evil, is more of a reflection of Zuko, really, because like Zuko's the older older kid, right? Yeah. Um, and so like as a younger kid, you sort of look at what the older kid does and what feedback they get from their parents. You learn from that, and you either do the opposite or you do the same, depending on what feedback you want. So she sees that Zuko is merciful. She she sees that he's can be kind, and so she sees that her father, who she looks up to, is not doesn't give anything positive back to that. And so right. she does the opposite of of that. Yeah, I think which I have a I'm gonna plug my video again. There's a whole <laughs> video I have of what drives Azula. If I was good at editing videos, I'd put something in right here. Ready? Pause. Right. And I'm sure it'll pop up there. Okay. Great. Okay. You know, I can I can do it myself actually. You know, yeah, we can do it straight from YouTube. Hey, good thought. Good thought. <laughs> the card right there. I forget uh, where we were. <laughs> yeah, all right. We're still okay, getting so, flashback. So yeah. So yeah, we're in the flashback. Um and then so they learn of Lutin's death. And then, like, this is the most, like, Game of Thrones stuff that happened in the series. Oh my, so much Dire Nation <laughs> politics. Yes. Yeah. You know, I'll, I'll let you go ahead and, and take this. Me? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh, well, he's not yeah, talking to me. I, I no <laughs> so, Dire Nation politics to the max right now. So, um, Fire, so, Azula decides that she's going to cheer up Zuko. She's like, I, I got to show you this. It's going to be great. And they sneak, they sneak over um, to spy on Ozai, who is telling his father, Fire Lord Azulon, <laughs> that he should strip Iroh of his birthright to the crown because of his disgrace at Bossing Say, and instead give that right to Ozai. So just we're full on royal politics. Some Game of Thrones exactly is going up in here, and Azulon does not take this well at all. Um, he's like, how dare you, you know, insult me and, and my lineage and your older brother. Like, Iroh has the right to this throne and he just lost a son. And how dare you even present this political game to me? And, and he's a great and, mastermind of yeah. firebending and war. Like, he seems yeah. like a type you'd want sitting on the throne. Yeah. And I mean, obviously, like, like Ozai is just this. This is also crazy. We know where Azula gets it from. Like, Iroh just lost his only son. And that's the other thing, too, that Ozai brings up. He's like, oh, well, you also, I have children who can have the throne after yeah. dead. So, obviously, I need to do this. Um, yeah, some straight Fire Nation politics here, which kind of even shocked me on the second, or, like, on the later viewings. I was like, whoa, they're just... They're throwing this into this kid show. Yeah, and then and then it's really interesting that Azulon, yeah, like you said, he's really pissed off about it, and he's he's so pissed yeah. off. He's like, not take it well. You know, Iroh has suffered enough. You know, your punishment has just begun. That's funny because yeah. Ozai says, um, Ozai says like the same thing to Zuko 
later on, yeah. uh, when Zuko confronts him, he's like, oh, your, your mother was banished, but your punishment that's not severe enough. Yes. <laughs> like I it's no it's just they're just before. continuing this cycle of just hatred and it needs to be broken. Yeah, you're right. I, I wrote this down as well actually. I said um there's a cycle of and it's implied that Azuka <laughs> attacks Ozai here, like like with fire or physically in some way. So there's like a cycle of physical abuse amongst the fathers and sons in the Fire Nation. Um yikes. It's just it's really bad. Um but it's important that I think it's really important that we see this from generations before just Ozai, um, because this is yeah. how the system has been working for at you know a hundred years at least. Yeah. So it's just this is part of the culture that that has created. Yeah. It's not mm -hmm. good. Yeah. So he he tells Zuko that uh, I, I'm sorry. Um, Azulon tells. Ozai, that like Iroh has suffered the loss of his first son, and he has to have the same. He has to feel the same loss. <laughs> and yeah. immediately, um, it cuts to Azula just going into Zuko's room oh. when he's like, just saying, "Dad's gonna kill you." Like, this is, so <laughs> mean. This is like just so mean. <laughs> really charming little girl that yeah. got there. <laughs> yeah, what a very... treat she is to be around. Yeah. <laughs> And like and, he keep, yeah, and, and Zuko keeps telling himself like Azula always lies, and then you realize yeah, that no, good. she wasn't lying. Like he was legitimately going to kill his own son because his dad yeah. told him to. Yeah, this is a really tough moment because he and he has this. He says he's like, "Oh, father would never do that." But the thing is, it's like when Azula's saying it, we we are not sure either. We're like, "Oh, well, he might." Yeah. Like, he yeah. At this point, that. we're not sure. Like, we're not sure what you know because i mean we're pretty hand, sure zuko's still alive in this episode so i mean that's kind of a hint sure. well <laughs> i guess <laughs> we're, not, we're not sure if zuko's alive or not spoiler alert it's schroeder's cat makes it. it's schroeder's cat right now we don't know <laughs> this is actually all a dream that's this, what uh what a cop-out ending i knew it was crap <laughs> Um, just yeah, kidding. No, just kidding. Yeah. In that moment, we don't know if Azula. We don't actually know how right Azula is in saying. Yes, that, that's yeah, that, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Zuko does say that he's like, "Oh, father would never do that." It's this heartbreaking thing because knowing what we already know, we're like, "Ah, he might though. He might." <laughs> like, yeah, it's really heartbreaking. Uh, yeah, and then and then they flash back pretty much to the next morning, where uh, Zuko wakes up and his mother is nowhere to be found, and he goes to Zula like she's playing with the sword, and he's like, "Where's mom?" She's like, "Oh, mom's gone. No one knows where she's at." Like she's completely just heartless. No, I care. <laughs> she is. She is. And then, yeah, cold-hearted. Oh, yeah, and, and the first thing she says is, "Grandpa died." Like she says it in the most nonchalant way well, she, um, want, she wanted to happen yeah that's yeah she, yeah she sounds like one of those little girls from the shining when she says it <laughs> yeah. grandpa she died everything <laughs> just just seeing her in the dark alone i'd be more scared than the entirety of anything else in the, the whole shining movie yeah amen shining. yeah and then uh and then zuko goes and confronts his his dad um not, not confront, that's not the word. He just asks him where, where mom is, and it ends like that. Like, as an audience member, you have no idea what happened to Zuko's mom. 
Like, you don't have any idea what happened to his mom until Ozai mentions that she was banished. And then you don't get the full story until you read The Search. And that's an amazing comic book. So yeah. I can are, validate as somebody like, who hasn't read the comic books. Like, they, they, they to- it's a blank slate. Total blank slate. I only know what Chris has told me. Um, I, I haven't read... I actually just ordered The Promise on Amazon. And they freaking sent me parts two and three, but I don't have part one. So right. um, Cheer um, up. Prime Day's coming up. Yeah. <laughs> little plug um, for Amazon. Um, yeah, <laughs> sponsor this podcast. Um, I wish. My package. <laughs> Whatever. We're never going to have sponsors because, you know, we're, we're too pure. We're too pure. Um, yeah, no, but actually I haven't read them because I just found out about them, actually. And I'm like, what? How did I not know about this? Especially when one and two are so Zuko centered, what the heck am I doing? Yeah. I'm about to resolve that issue. So, uh, well, they're they're great. Um, the promises. Well, I, get, I think the promise is better than the since the first time I read it. Because I think the first time I read it, I was expecting just something a little bit different. Uh, but the search yeah. was amazing the first time I read it. I won't spoil it for you because it really does okay. reveal absolutely everything that happens. That okay. that it fills in all the blanks. I promise that's to read it in between series where it fits uh, canonically. I will read it. Unless you're talking to Jamie. You might have been talking to Jamie, actually. I retract my statement. <laughs> I'm talking to both of you. Oh, okay, great. I will read it in between the series where it fits canonically. I'll try to do it uh, in, in order. Yeah, that'd be sweet. Yeah, it'd be a fun yeah. time. Uh, and then it ends, and then that flashback ends with um, with their funeral of Fire Lord yeah. Zulon. And, like, it's so freaking ominous. And then, like, oh, he will be succeeded by his second son ozai and then like just just the freaking flames and the smoke and right. just the ominous like everyone bowing to him is like on some star wars darth vader level type of yeah. ominous level yeah. <laughs> it's it's bad and, and i like that zuko doesn't super look confident in this new regime either. yeah yeah, yeah. This. Um, he's having second so, thoughts yeah you have to you have to wonder because at this point in all of the flashbacks he's very pure very innocent very compassionate mm. we don't you know i don't i guess we don't really get to see the moment that breaks him other than well in the storm we do get the flashback that when he actually gets the scar and that probably is it but there's such a change in his character even from that we can see in this tiny tiny section of flashbacks such a dramatic change who we know him as and that's just the result of you know a childhood full of mental emotional and then at one point if not multiple points physical abuse yeah just kind of collapsing in on itself so yeah, yeah. that's really uh, and then um oh we do get um i forget zuko does, zuko's mother ursa does uh wake him up to tell well he doesn't wake her up she does wake anyway she tells him like everything I've done, I've done for you, Zuko. Like never forget who you are. Um, yes. This isn't a spoiler to to the search, but in in the comic book, it's not a big spoiler. Um, <laughs> in the comic book, she also goes to um, uh, to Azula's bed, but she doesn't wake up. So I think that's just interesting that like a kiss yeah. from Ursa yeah. doesn't wake up Azula, but it wakes up Zuko to the point where like she hugs him and tells him uh, pretty much that she loves him. Yeah, and it's important to think about when this this particular part of the flashback comes in because that moment comes after he's 
not not beaten by that or by the earthbender, but he's he's on his back. He's kind of down hmm. the count. He just he just got hit with a huge boulder. Which, by the way, like there are times when I'm like, how could being an earthbender would probably be the best one? Like if you hit someone with a boulder, like probably they're probably not getting back up. But Zuko does get up, anyways. Like, he has like this he, little rocky, this little rocky <laughs> inspirational flashback moment. It's beautiful. He does. His mom, yeah, no, his mom. I, he, he said like this is really important actually like she says never forget who you are and in that moment that's when he decides to firebend <laughs> against the um earth kingdom people because and he sort of has this moment that's when he cl- he takes back his name he claims it he says i am <laughs> prince zuko of the fire nation um, yeah and you know heir to the throne like he really takes that back in that moment um and it's sort of, it's it's this constant, his whole arc, his whole issue as a character is, what does it mean to be the descendant and the heir of of a nation that's causing this much pain and suffering? Um, so that's an important moment, I think, for him, just to be able to to take back that, that name and decide that he's doing it for, for the good of the villagers yeah. that have been oppressed by these people. Yeah. Yeah, and then that fight, I think, gets even more amazing. Like Zuko, Zuko loves doing these like foot movements. Like he does a little yeah. spinaroony, and yeah. uh, and the fire comes up, and then just that cool. Do you think just, that Jamie uh, watches using wrestling? Because the... I'm gonna take a shot at no. Jamie, <laughs> big wrestling fan. I no, I'm not. I'm okay. sorry. Well, I caught the sorry. reference, Chris. I appreciate it. I'm sorry. There you I go. I'm sorry. Big Booker I'm T fan in my third. day. Big Booker Don't. T fan. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> and then he point. does like fire bending with the with the dual swords, and like they're coming off the sword, oh, yes. and he beats the guy. And like even when he's done, like there's just steam emitting from from the swords. Mm-hmm. It's just a, such a cool moment. Yeah. At one then, point, then, we were going to count the number of spinneroonies that Suko did in the entire series, but you know, you, somewhere you that fell off. That. Yeah, that's important. It's his I, go-to I, move. I think it's a. We're at I three for sure right now, that. aren't we? Got to be at three. Yeah. I think so. Ding. Yeah. Three. Okay, there it is. <laughs> I, yeah, I love that. I, it is definitely a staple of the firebending ability, but also just of, of Zuko. He's he's got quite a personality. Like underneath all of that emo teen angst, he's a character. <laughs> I like that the foot that the footwork kind of gives him his own distinct style, and I think that plays yeah. into the don't forget who you are. So yeah, he pulls out yeah. the firebending, uh, but he pulls out firebending his way in the way that he's been trained yeah. and learned from his uncle Iroh, and I think that's. Uh, you know, maybe that's not what the creators were intending, but that's kind of what I'm taking from it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's good. But then also, like, the moment immediate. oh, this is really sad, but, like, so he firebends, he says who he is, and the villagers that were rooting for him literally a second ago just immediately turn their back on him. Um, and Lee even tells him, I hate you. Um, he doesn't want that. He doesn't, you know, Zuko tries to give him the dagger back. And Lee won't take it. Um, and this is just, you know, I think it's another another thing, another byproduct of this really long extended war. It's a hundred years. And by the way, Fire Nation is really not good at wars because how are we counting this war for a hundred years and like not making any progress? Uh, the um, search for Aang siphoned off too many of their resources for too long. It was really a tough tough break for them. They just couldn't. You know, oh, good point. Uh, yeah, it's it's been rough for them. But there is such an ingrained hatred of the Fire Nation, and you know, with good reason. They're, they've done some bad stuff, 
But like this is Zuko's first time seeing somebody react that way simply because he is Fire Nation, not because of anything he did specifically, but just because he's Fire Nation. And they are they already knew him, Lee knew him more or less. And yet immediately, the second they found out, they turned on him and I think that's his his kind of first time of being like, Oh, yeah, people really hate us. We are just no one likes us here. Yeah, that's really that's uh, that's interesting because that goes forward to his conversation when he confronts uh, Ozai. He says like yeah. we, we we grew up believing that the Fire Nation was the best nation in the world. Like what what incredible lie that was. Like the world hates us. Like he's yeah. seen that firsthand. Right. Yeah, this is the moment that he knows. And also, oh, we didn't mention it because well, I had it written down, but we didn't. Um, we kind of like, I skipped it. We skipped a fight, but. He there's a lot of imagery in this episode that evokes it's a very like western cowboy look. Yes, yes, yeah, it was purposely Ranger done. Yeah. Riding into town. Um he's like kind a John of, Wayne. Yeah, he reminds me of like a Shane character. Um which is interesting because in Shane he and the, the character that is quite conflicted. There's no you know, good, bad, right and wrong, doesn't he's very internally conflicted about that and I think that this was a very conscious choice by the production team to make Zuko look visually in, like in resemblance to like a Western character. He's even kind of wearing like a hat. It's not a cowboy hat. Mm-hmm. Like, it kind of yeah. looks like it. Um, so I think that there is a, a, a connection there of this kind of moral battle that he is having within himself. Um, and it's interesting that they pose him not necessarily winning that battle at the end <laughs> of this episode. Because he does ride off into the sunset, but not in glory. It's because the, the villagers yeah. have kicked him out. Um, which is really kind of... It goes against what is expected with that trope. But at the same time, uh-huh. it, it once again informs his character. Alright, question. Do you guys blame the villagers? I, I, want, or... I want to, but I, I think if we put ourselves in that situation... Uh, it's it's pretty hard to right. We're all human. They're human. I mean, yeah. I, I want to. I want to be like, hey, you guys should be setting a good example and be accepting and open. But it's like yeah. we're talking about the prince of the Fire Nation here. Like, how do you? Yes. They, don't, they don't know his story. <laughs> they don't know that yeah. he yeah. has some redeeming qualities in there. To them, he to them he's just the villain. So right. Well, I want and, to, and but I can't. Like, oh my. Yeah, and let's like not forget that at this point he's not necessarily redeemed. Not like, at not all. At all. Yeah. No. Not at all. He's not, he's not redeemed right we're now. We're trying, but we're trying right here, but he's yeah. still fighting Earth Nation right. soldiers right. in this Yeah, instance, like, so. we're actually yeah. going the wrong way. <laughs> I want to, but would I be the same? Probably, yeah. I, I think yeah, like, really like a lot of people... Yeah. Go ahead. Like, like, a lot of people crap on that, on that mother, but, all right, her son was just captured by Fire Nation forces. Um, yeah. Like, he's probably about to die. And this person says that he is the prince of the Fire Nation. Like, that's cool. You're the prince and all. Can you stop the war? Like, what's the point of you announcing Get my son out that? of prison, maybe? Help out? Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Give me a bone. Yeah, yeah no, I, I, I don't think I blame them. This is just, it's just too much destroyed, too much gone. Um, the, the, the wounds are still really raw. I don't, yeah, it's, it's bad. We don't, they don't know what Zuko's doing here. Zuko doesn't know what he's doing here. So, it's just... <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't I don't blame them. But also, yeah. can we talk about what they said was going to happen to the um, captured Earth Kingdom battalion? Because this yeah. is a lot. Well, this is just interesting. <laughs> so, 
back when the um, Earth Kingdom quote unquote soldiers come to tell Lee's family that his brother's been captured, they're like, oh, well, what's going to happen to him? And one of them jokes and says, he says, well, last time an Earth Kingdom battalion was captured, the Fire Nation dressed them up in Fire Nation clothing, put them on the front lines, and then just watched. And I, I have a lot of questions about this because on the, the that's kind of Joker esque right there. That's a like, like that's yeah. This is just yikes again. <laughs> bad, but like, how would this work from a Fire Nation perspective? Like, would would the soldiers that they not just put out there just like immediately turn on them? Now they've just strengthened their enemies' numbers, <laughs> and plus. Are they saying that they're just watching their own forces get like demolished by whoever their enemy is? Like, I... it raises anyway, so many more <laughs> questions than answers. So many. Yeah. More. Well, I just think I have this thing about the Fire Nation and their war strategy. I just don't think it's very good. Like, I they've been fighting a hundred years and just not getting anywhere. And I could come up with a million examples mm -hmm. in canon of where they've just gone horribly mm -hmm. wrong. Basically, since Arrow's been out of the game. They've not been able to come back. I would like to hear what's, <laughs> what's been going on in that hundred years. There's, there's a pretty big lapse of action in there, I think. Seriously. Just One of the things I do love about this episode is uh, they do mention some battles. <laughs> like they, mention, they do. They like yeah. several battles. Um, they're like, oh, how did Fire, how did Fire Lord um, Sozin, yeah, how did Fire Lord Sozin win the battle of whatever, whatever. And then she's like, oh, right. well, he knew that his enemies, even though yeah. his enemies were outnumbered, he knew that there was... Uh, the wind, they were downwind to them, and there was a drought, and they just burnt all their forces. Yeah! And Zula is able to recognize this. Like, like they asked Zuko, right? And he's like, oh, I don't know. Or yeah. something. And, and Azula remembers, yeah. not, not because she's very, like, inclined to being a good student, but because, like, she understands war strategy. Like, and, and this comes up later in the season, so maybe not spoil it. Well, I mean... When they get to Bossing Say, this comes up. Azula is super freaking good at war strategy. This is one of her many talents. And it's also terrifying. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, then, yeah, that pretty much uh, ends the episode. Yeah, the final um, is Sean... walking off into the distance. It's the sunset. Oh, yeah, you go. Yeah. 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 Good he's alone again. Good Western finish, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. All right, Sean. Are you ready to unload whatever that you? Yes. <laughs> I say it as, a, as if your opinion doesn't matter. I, All right, well, no, whatever. I do, and this is this is important to me. Is that uh, so? We we joke a lot about that. Maybe I don't like Suko quite as much as anybody else, and this is probably yeah. as good an episode as any to bring it up. And so uh, I suppose the first thing I want to lead with is: Can we all agree that most most kids uh, like Suko are sort of inherently innocent? For the most part, I'm sure there's, I mean, Azula is an exception yeah. here, but even in real life, right. most kids kind of yeah. start in a moderately yes. innocent place. Yes. So Definitely. if you wipe yep. that out, one thing, uh, I think my favorite, we always give Zuko credit for such an amazing character arc, and it is for such a great overarching uh, story arc throughout the series. But he starts... Best arc in television history. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, see, that's, that's where I have the disagreement, <laughs> is that he starts... In such a bad, shallow place. He starts solo. I think, you know, uh, my art preferences tend to be towards if you have a good character, 
that then gets hit with some really tough times and some really realistic choices that they have to make. Uh, and they get down in the dumps and they build themselves back up. Yeah, Core is a better example and maybe a better arc. Uh, whereas Zuko, he starts in such a low place when we start the yeah. series. And he essentially has to be booted into the perfect storm. That's kind of a throwback reference. Perfect storm <laughs> of, of a place that he can have any redemption at all. But he starts at such a shallow, superficial place where all we see from him for a full season, basically... <laughs> It's just I'm gonna get the avatar and get my honor back, and because that, and that's how kids operate. But he's just, like he's a kid; he's just doing that one thing that he thinks is gonna solve all the problems. But it's such a, it's a thin, it's a really thin platform for what, yeah, what we're witnessing yeah. now is just we're, we're watching a man grow through that part of his life where he is learning to make his own choices. So yes, it is still a really nice arc, but I think sometimes we overdo how great of an arc it is just because of how low. Uh, how low of a place he starts from, I guess. I, okay, that's fair. Cora is a great example. I think Cora probably provides a more realistic, high-quality character arc. Personally, I don't. I wouldn't say that about Cora that often, but <laughs> I'll say it here. It's not. Yeah, I do, I do I like Zuko. Zuko is, is in my upper few favorite characters, and he has the best redemption arc in this series. Uh, by a mile, but I think it was a perfect storm of things, and it had to start in a really low place to be as interesting as it is. Well, I th I, I can understand that. Um, I think that the reason that Zuko comes up a lot when we think about, hey, name some characters with some seriously good redemption arcs, Zuko comes up because of how dramatic his is. He goes from being the antagonist of the series quite directly, to being on Team Avatar. And we have to remember this show is aimed at child audiences so the complexity of that statement it's, it's literally mind-blowing to them and i remember it being mind-blowing to me too when i was watching so i mean and i was a child and i watched but i think that it comes the from for me why i think this like arc is so strong is not necessarily because he goes from evil to good but because he has a serious shift in his understanding of what the world is and what part he wants to have in it. I would see, I would argue that that's a, that it's a, and I mean, there's no solution to this. Yeah. We'll never be able to like come to like, Oh, yeah, you're right. But uh, a certain yeah. point, no change your mind, Sean, a, never, not on the podcast, maybe after. No, uh, I think there's a point in all of our lives or we hope, I guess, and it, it doesn't always happen and it should, uh, but right. we all hit a point in our lives where we should, start making our own decisions however you were raised and nurtured and taught yeah. and educated yeah and we hope that everybody comes to that point where they're making their own choices and questioning and growing and developing right and i think right i think we're just hitting that here and it's it's sort of uh amplified like i said by what a bad or yeah. sort of again evil for the sake of being evil place and family that he has a start in it's like he has nowhere to go but up and he gets booted into a situation where he's with Iroh alone on this journey. Right. Like, it's it's a perfect storm. So, again, I want to argue. I, I love I the arc. I love Zuko. Though, yeah. I just think sometimes we overdo uh, how important that dramatic shift is because, uh, like I said, it's it started. Yeah. It, to quote John Mulaney, it starts in a pretty rough place. <laughs> Got to throw a yeah, Mulaney quote in once per episode. I think <laughs> to me, though, is that it's not that he... But when he starts that arc, this is where I think... This is why I think it is significant. When he starts the arc... It is not, he in and of himself is not evil. He's not capturing the Avatar because he 
he in his heart wants the avatar that's not what he wants he wants his father's approval and what if that whether or not that had to do with getting the avatar like if the like if his dad was like i will love you <laughs> if you go out and bake me a cherry pie then zuko would have done that he wanted to i have to find a cherry pie i gotta find a cherry pie asap like he was like like i'm coming down like you know like a bake off or something that'd be great um (laughs) i missed that episode um but like whether like he doesn't actually go after the avatar because he cares about doing that specifically he wants to do Mm. whatever it is that his father is going to to me that's like the, that, that is the part that's shallow and childish to me like that's the part where he is but just like it just yeah six, like, 16 he is a child and he had a and, that, really, and like, that's and that's fine but like i said to me that's that's where it deviates from being yeah. a really tremendous art to to be just being a kid growing through a part where yeah he's learning to make his own choices and he's doing great things with it and again i can't stress yeah. enough zuko is reasonably in my top five right. favorite characters of the series yeah. so i'm not trying to i'm not yeah. trying to uh to bash on him too hard yeah i just think sometimes we overplay the how well, powerful of an arc it is like you know well you will i mean you'll get arguments from me about that for the rest of forever that's fine that's, that's that's what keeps it interesting <laughs> is when people people yell yeah. at sean on podcasts and that's what you know that's what makes the world go around uh but long story short we all agree I, uh, that arc, that i'll just i'll just quickly say that i i agree with everything sean didn't say and i agree with everything that jamie said <laughs> <laughs> I accept. I'll be. I'm an earthbender, so I'm gonna stay stubborn in my opinions. Earthbending. We're the most. We're the most practical group. I'm a waterbender, so I feel like you. I feel like we have some flexibility, and we can be open to new things. And, that, and, <laughs> and Chris doesn't care because he's an airbender. He's just gonna sit over there and do his own thing. And just go with the flow. He's in his temple. He's, he's worrying about other worldly things. These petty arguments do not concern him. Suko, <laughs> Suko, uh, buddy, you te- you teach young young adults a powerful lesson. You keep doing you do you, Suko. It's doing great. <laughs> I appreciate it. This whole greatest yeah. this whole greatest arc in, in television. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't know about that. We'll talk when we get to Korra. Maybe we can come to a compromise. Mm-hmm. But hey, thanks for indulging my my. This has been like a week of me thinking about this. Just after watching this episode of like. You, this episode is important because you do see Zuko uh, as an innocent child. Like you see a blank slate. You don't yeah. see a Zulu who's already a monster. You do see a genuinely blank slate, um, and how it builds from there, which yeah. has been. I mean, that's the whole episode here. So no better time to talk about it than yeah. Uh, I will say, like to your credit, though, Sean, that there is one moment in book three that almost upends Zuko's arc for me. And it and it comes it comes right before his big turn. So that there's a moment in there, and you know you'll get to it eventually. But like on the podcast, but like oh, it almost undoes it for me. And it's it's an interesting thing. Mark so that it's, date it's, down it's in your calendar. Moments, Come back to the podcast that day. We'll have a great chat. It'll be a blast. <laughs> yeah. So let's go ahead and get to some ratings. And so yeah, uh, Chris leads us his ratings, and then I'll give mine. Jamie, I didn't think about giving you an opportunity to plug ratings, which I realize is pretty stupid. So if you want to take a minute, chalk down some ratings, throw together an average, sure. we would love uh, we would love to hear it. But uh, I'll go through. You guys go first. Yeah, I'll get it to Chris's first. Let him give his yeah. his spiel. Oh, hey, there's a good good imagery of inside the evil fire. Tent. If that doesn't scream evil, I don't know what does. Anyway, Chris's ratings starting with audiovisual. All right. 
uh, audio visual gets an eight. There, there was some great uh, storytelling just with the audio visual, um, but it wasn't like absolutely Actually. amazing animation. I did, I did love the fight, uh, but so that gets an eight out of ten. Story gets a ten out of ten. This is just absolute great character work done here. Um, that just completely informs the character of Zuko. Completely lets you know exactly why he is the way he is and how things possibly could have changed. Um, so just really great story there. Also, we get a lot of information on Iroh as well. So the story for me, this is one of the best episodes when it comes to story. So Memorable gets a 9 out of 10. This is Zuko alone. Like We learned so much about him here. It's so memorable. So that gets me to a weighted average score of a 9.2 out of 10. Very curious to see how wrong Sean is here. That's Oh, we're not. We're pretty proportionate. I'm a little lower, but we're pretty proportionate. So audiovisual, I gave okay. it an eight. Uh, I would make a case. Okay. We might we might both be underselling audiovisual here because there is some unique music. Uh, there's a lot of interesting yes. detail and stuff. Much, yeah. So we might actually be underselling the audiovisual. There's a lot of fun stuff going on here. Uh, story, I gave it a nine. Um, so you'll oh, recall, okay. you you pointed out. Like I said we're proportionate, just kind of lower. Yeah. Uh, you pointed out before the cast that. I did not care for the storm that much. Pretty low on that. This, The difference between this and that to me is that this has a, a very good, interesting standalone story in it. It doesn't feel like filler. It doesn't feel strictly like exhibition. All these things, all these flashbacks play beautifully into the story that's actually being told. And that's very important to me. It's a very good story by itself. So nine, good story. Memorable, eight. Uh... It, you know, just because it's a Zuko episode, it's just not something that I that I come back to very often. Uh, it's not something I'd want to watch all on its own. But eight, hey, there's nothing wrong with an eight. That's a good score. That brings me to an eight point four. So, yeah. uh, pretty respectable, cool. all things considered. Mm-hmm. Jamie, would you like to would you like to spat out? Some yeah, words? yeah. Um, audio visual. I I think I'm gonna agree with the group here. Eight seems pretty. Ra- yeah, I I think. Hmm, I'm tempted to give it a nine for the use of the blue spirit music when Zuko is out of blue spirit mode, which is cool. Uh, I didn't pick up on that. That's awesome. Yeah, he, I didn't catch yeah, that. In fight, yeah, in the fight, they do use the blue spirit theme. Um, it's kind of coupled with something with something else that might be unique to this hmm. episode, but he they do use it when nice. he pulls out the swords. Um, so I, I always love when that theme comes up. I think it's very like there's a there's like a very like um. It feels like literature, but that's not the right word. But like, it feels like there's like a, it's like a motif, I would say, um, that comes through. So I love that theme. Um, and I do love the Western imagery. So yeah, and I like the fight. Uh, so I'm going to give it a nine. Yeah, I'll give it a nine. Yeah. I visual. think me and Chris both might have undersold that one a little bit. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. I won't take it back, though. It's fine. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't have some of the quite, it doesn't have some of the, bending displays that other episodes mm-hmm. do so yeah i'm not i'm not gonna give it a 10 out of 10 fair enough story story i will give it a 10 out of 10 yeah everything that um like everything about this episode just really comes back to zuko's character and what we need to know about him and i remember the placement of this episode threw me off the first time i was watching because <laughs> i was like not prepared to care about zuko as much as i did in that moment it's also oh. a harsh contrast from the episodes on either side of it. Yeah, um, very much In terms much of the so. subject matter, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I thought the, the, the placement of that just really caught me off guard, and it really was like, hey, now you need to start paying attention to this. 
because whether or not you like Zuko up to this point, you can't not feel for him a little bit after this episode. So for that, 10 out of 10. Memorable, I will also give it a 10 out of 10 for the simple fact that anytime I'm having a conversation with people who or about Avatar, people who watch Avatar, this episode comes up. Like they'll be like, oh, like remember that episode that was just Zuko alone? Like, what was it called? Mm-hmm. And I was like, Zuko alone. <laughs> like, it's literally... <laughs> <laughs> But there is this recognition of the fact that there are one-off episodes in this series which tend to be extremely memorable. This one, Tales of Bossing Say, um, the ones with with Appa when he gets stolen that now I can't remember the title of. Appa Blossom. It's God, yes, interesting. Um, oh my so, goodness, yeah. that is not what I thought you were gonna say there. Uh, <laughs> hey, let's come back to that episode someday. Let's talk about that one. Oh, oh God, <laughs> that one's just really sad. I'm not a fan, but yeah, it's really sad. Um, but no one's a fan of Like those episodes stand out to people. And That's this fair. One they they stick out maybe for bad yeah. reasons, but just like we make fun of the Great Divide all the time, like yeah, oh, wow, we remember yeah. it. That's for sure. Yeah, <laughs> I think people remember this one because it is such a deep dive into an antagonist character, and especially for the audience that would have been watching this show at the time, they have not come across television that complex yet, and maybe it hadn't even been done really yet. This was still at the time when television was becoming what we know it to be now but it was all serial serial like serialized and having that one episode just wasn't a huge thing at the time so yeah this was memorable so i had a pretty high score i don't know what that it probably brings my average. i think 9.6 9. 9.7 9. 9. 7. Uh, i was gonna guess 9.7 if it was a straight average yeah i think if it rounds mm-hmm. up and then uh i mean especially yeah. if you weight the story heavier she's like 9.7 9.8 that's crazy uh i think it's actually maybe it's really 9.6 point sits yeah. Right, so nine, nine, seven, and then like I said, if you weight her ten on story a little heavier, like we do, then you're getting crazy. Uh, so our average score. We're in dangerous territory for how much that's, I love this episode. Uh, I'm sorry, you can't come back to the podcast. You're too generous handing out those tens. We, that's crazy. I know, that's especially crazy. on my first. And that's the thing. Like this is like the first time I've been on this podcast, and normally I'm like a highly critical person, and normally I would not be throwing around tens. Mm. I, I bet you say that to all but... the podcasts you talk to. <laughs> <laughs> you, you guys are my first podcast. Oh, never have. I couldn't have chosen anything better. It's been amazing. It really what an appropriate <laughs> start for it, though. Again, I, how how well timed it all worked out. I'm we're super glad it you was, could be here. It was literally fate. It was destiny. I believe it. Had to happen. Had to happen. <laughs> uh, and uh, well. This this rounded out to an eight point eight, but if you factor in Jamie's scores, it gets pretty like hefty. Nine point three, and then if you wait, nine point two. If you mm-hmm. wait, Chris and Jamie's scores higher than mine, just from knowing more things, <laughs> then you really start to jack this one up. Uh, long story short, uh, we all do enjoy this episode, although it's pretty interesting to see. Uh, it seems like even between the two of you who both like Zuko, it seems like you enjoy it for different reasons, and that's pretty cool. Yeah. And, I like a bad boy. That's why. That's, that's, that's all it comes down to. <laughs> is that this thing where me and Chris weren't fifteen-year-old girls at one point? Is that coming back? Is it harkening? Back I would to love that? to see the analysis on on Zutara shippers and what their age were when they watched it oh and what their gender gosh. is. That would be a beautiful. We have to get this data. We have to send a survey to all the Zutara shippers we can find and find out what age they started watching the show. I'm gonna guess we were pretty young i was i was pretty young i was a hardcore zutara shipper but now that i'm older i obviously see that zuka is the better ship that's the way to go (laughs) (laughs) 
I would also, I'd like to know other like weird unrelated factors. Like if people are into the Zutara ship, like are those like cat owners? Are those people who prefer <laughs> sit down restaurants to fast food? Like what, what type of people mm. are those people? I'd be interested to see it all. That'd be fun. I mean, one factor for me is that I was, I love that poetic cemetery. I'm like, Ooh, water, fire. Mm. I'm also curious to see like what percent red twilight and like young adult <laughs> books. But <laughs> also <probably not. laughs> Sorry. we have a thing in my house where anytime you talk about twilight, if you're going to bring up twilight in my house, you have to mentally relive that stupid scene where they're playing baseball during the storm. You have to sit and oh, think God. about it and feel shame for knowing exactly what scene I'm talking about. You have to feel bad oh, for bringing up Twilight in my home. That's a rule. It's a rule I made up, but it's you a know, rule. The, the first Twilight movie has a small place in my heart. The other ones just are awful, and I never want to think about them. But the first one, it has a small place. A small as place. as Batman fans, I think we're inclined to say that we have to appreciate something that came out of that movie, I guess. Uh, you know, Robert, Robert Pattinson would do good. He he himself does seem to be a talented actor, so... I suppose it gets a it gets a nod from us in that. Sense. The thing is, Chris Stewart's, Chris Stewart's also. I don't know how we start talking about Twilight on this part. Anyway, Chris Stewart's actually a decent actress. Also, she wasn't one in that movie. Neither was he. But I say, they've I gone beyond. I don't think her performance in those movies was very well regarded. But I yeah. think his no, they was right. I think people. Um, I wouldn't say. I mean, based on the books, I mean that character. She she nailed that character. It's not her fault. <laughs> oh, fair enough. I can't say I've read the books. I just saw the well, movie and saw the movie, and all I can think of is that damn baseball scene. Ugh. <laughs> Anyways, like that new song, "Supernatural Black Hole," is a good time. You know, uh, mm, I wow, do like that. <laughs> that was that's that's heavy Twilight knowledge for me. Absolutely. Yeah, I've I've never wanted fun fun Twilight fats on this, but you know we're we've gone there. You know, Chris, we were open minded today. We we brought Twilight here into our podcast. We brought a Zutara shipper into our podcast. I blame. Put it on the record. I didn't bring Twilight up. (laughs) I know it's my fault. Actually, my bad. Right. Oh my goodness, Chris brought it up. To be fair, it is actually the second time that Twilight has been mentioned on this podcast. So, um, you know, if we're at like thirty points for John Mulaney, we're at two points for Twilight. True. Someday John Mulaney's going to tweet back at me and it's going to be a spectacular day. <laughs> I'm going to start tagging him and everything and see what he says. Like, why is this random podcast about? We're going to show up in his 2020 special and he's going to be like, these creeps from Kansas and wherever it is Jamie's from who started tagging me in these mediocre yeah. production podcasts. Yeah. We're going to be the butt of a joke. That's okay. I, I live for that. I would love to be the butt of a John Mulaney joke. At least, if you're going to be a butt of a joke, it should be a comedian that you appreciate. So I would absolutely take that. I agree. That's great wisdom. And they claim I'm a friend of the show. I don't know this show. They keep saying I'm a friend of the show. Um, Yeah, chalk that up. Get him on. Do you think he's ever seen Avatar? What if he hasn't? Oh my god, if we should just have him on an episode, even though oh. he's probably never seen any of the show. John Mulaney, if you watch this, I will sell everything in my game room just to have you on my show one time. I mean, I need to keep the computer to run the show, but other than that, everything else. Um, I actually don't think I would sell everything in here. I have a lot of stuff. You probably have more stuff. <laughs> I own a quest. My Switch is not in the game room, Chris. My Switch is in a different room. <laughs> And all the switches. Like, I have... Those are the only valuable things. 
Like, I don't want people coming to rob me, but I think my stuff is worth more than like five grand. I think. Ooh, nice. <laughs> but, well, like I said, every yeah. everything valuable I own is in the Switch right now, and that's all in a different room. So I can say it with security. John Mulaney, I'll sell my room just to. You have to stay on for the full hour and a half, though. You can't cop out of it. You gotta contribute like Jamie did to this episode in a full capacity. Which, on that note, segue. Jamie, thank you so much for being with us. Jamie, who likes volleyball and loves Suko. And uh, what's it? Hey, also, excellent Twitter follow. Jamie, what's your Twitter? Can you remind me? Uh, Yeah, my Twitter is it's just Jamie Rindy, but spelled weird because my name is spelled weird and I can't help it. (laughs) It's J A I. Never forget who you are. J A I. My name is Jamie, (laughs) daughter of so and so. J A I M E E. Is it underscore Rindy? No, it's just Rindy, R-I-N-D-Y. So, yeah, that is Got my it. Twitter handle. That is my name. I am currently writing for an entertainment site called The Game of Nerds. You should check that out, too. It's fun. I post um, movie reviews and TV reviews and a lot of think pieces about sort of society and media in general <laughs> and how our entertainment kind of rolls into this. So, um, a lot, yeah, I mean... My if Twitter's you, wild. If you need if... additional movie reviews, I know a guy. Not me, oh, Chris. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Not me, Chris. Uh, um, speaking yeah. of Twitter, Chris, uh, your Twitter is objective underscore geek on Twitter and the objective yes. geek on YouTube. And my name's Sean Shaler. And this has this has been a tremendous episode. I have absolutely loved this. Absolute pleasure. Very flattering that somebody voluntarily chose to give up what are we at? Literally an hour and forty minutes. Of her Thursday. Oh night. gosh! In uh, her car, she's been in her person. car talking on her phone with us for an hour and forty minutes. That's dedication to the game, man. Jesus. I, I live for this. I literally live for this. It's what I would do with my entire life if I could. Oh. So. <laughs> I, I went too, but I have to pay bills, so whatever. It's I would too. Yeah. We can dream. We can dream. Dream. One day. One day we will be there. Uh, uh, hey, I'm all talked out. I don't know if you guys have any closing thoughts. Uh, my closing thoughts are all this. Is, this is a very entertaining episode to produce with you guys. Any any words of wisdom? Uh, yeah, take this episode in mind going into the second half of this season and um, let it sit with you. Yeah. I have nothing. Thank you, Jamie, a lot. This was uh absolute blast, and uh, thanks for being here. And um. Yeah, whatever. That's good. Whatever. <laughs> Way to end the, the show. Uh, very cool. Play it off cool. Play that extra yeah. music. Play it no, off. Play us out. Play yeah. us out. Play it off like an airbender, Chris. All right. Thank you guys very much. We'll catch you in a couple weeks. <laughs> <laughs>